Life is hard when you don't know who you are. It's harder when you don't know what you are. My love carries a death sentence. I was lost for years, searching while hiding, only to find that I belong to a world hidden from humans. I won't hide anymore. I will live the life I choose. You're listening to episode 35 of Fadeless, a podcast devoted to the supernatural series Lost Girl. My name is Dave, and sitting miles beyond the known reaches of cyberspace to break the spell hovering over tonight's episode. Welcome, Wayne. That, that was very elaborate. I like that. Well, it's a little bit of uh, Once Upon a Time influence. Uh, and I'm actually nearly caught up. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a miracle what a week off from work will <laughs> do for your TV watching habits. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't improve them at all. You know, you think I'd spend more time doing like, uh, you know, worthwhile stuff. Well, you know, I mean, you can't really do anything out in the yard. I mean, you can. No, but, it's freaking uh, cold out, man. That is yeah. just ridiculous. We're yeah. technically the South. You know that? Like, we're supposed we're below the Mason Dixon line. We're the South, and we this are sucks. supposed to be. This is the but. worst spring ever. It's so cold. It's windy and cold, and it's just miserable. I was but, I was out. I had lacrosse practice for my kids, so like three hours last night, and at the end of it, I I, I think I was really literally starting to suffer from frostbite, where my fingers yeah. really started to hurt, and I had to come home and run them underneath like kind of like cold water, but I didn't. Like I came home and washed my hands because I was hungry, and I did it in warm water, and I thought that I was I was almost screamed it hurt so bad, but of course you can't admit that to the players. No, no way, man. I was, you know, I'm like, I'm the coach. I can like stop this practice right now. But then they're gonna be like, why? Like, because my fingers hurt. You know, like, uh, no, that's not gonna go over. So, uh, so I suffered in silence. Well, I haven't been suffering too much. I've been, like I said, I, I've been making a marathon of my TV watching and getting caught up on things. I'm one episode behind on Once Upon a Time now, and I'm telling you. It's awesome, as you know, I've said many times, but I think the thing that that would appeal to you is, you know, now that you said your son is caught up on Doctor Who and, you know, I, I assume you two watched it together. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Well, not you know, together because uh, we, we got home. We, I can't remember what we were doing Saturday night. We got home later Saturday night. And so actually, you know, I think we we're watching the Ten Commandments. Oh, OK. And, and then uh, so he had to go to bed, but I watched it. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, you know, it's one of those shows that uh, as a 12-year-old, I, I think the supernatural appeal will be there for him, you know, once he gets past the, I don't want to watch any stupid fairy tales. Yeah, and, and if there's and, kissing in there, he doesn't like that either. Nah, and there's really not a whole lot. You know, it's more like the almost Princess Bride-ish. Oh. Ex- except I like the Princess way, Bride. way better than that. Wait. And I, and I think Princess Bride is great. Yeah, you just... You just made a, f- a fairly bold statement there, sir. Because uh, the Princess yeah, Bride—that's that's like for my generation. Like we know, we know basically every line in that movie. Yeah, I I hear you. So and, so you go saying something like that, Mister. You better be able to back it up. Well, I think I can. So. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe but, over the summer I, I might give uh, Once Upon a Time. But I just got caught up with uh, Being Human uh, U.S. I'm starting to actually, and I know probably <clears throat> the purists are going to totally you know, balk at, at this, but I think I might like it better than the British version. It's kind of like uh, Life on Mars, too. You know, I, I I prefer the American version. Maybe it's I'm a homer. I don't know. That's that's just me. Now, what did you loan me a while ago? That was the it's, British version of Life on okay. Mars. 
Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Now, uh, you've been keeping up. Which was up really with good. Rev- uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, it was great. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, you've been keeping up with Revolution? Yes. Yeah, just uh, just last night. I finally, I got to, I don't think I got to watch it Monday night, but I think I watched it last night. Or no, I did watch it Monday night. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, but I'm shocked, and I think I said this last week, that there are people that are, that are puzzled by the fact that the ratings are lower than expected. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's just, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, but anyway, but the show itself, yeah. Well, because I, thought, I don't remember, like, I really don't remember stuff that happened They're, They can't, they only have so much time in the previously on revolution at the beginning, you know? And I, you know, I, I thought that they were, MEC was going to go and replay, uh, the previous nine episodes, but th- what they did is they made them all available online through NBC.com. Uh, yeah. You know, so yeah, I could go and watch them and I have to freaking sit through all the commercials and stuff. Well, the thing I don't understand is, again, looking at, at some of these websites that are like TV by the numbers, which is where I get a lot of our ratings information. And then people will comment at the bottom, you know, like, you know, like any website. But the hatred for the character of Charlie. Wow. People still hating yeah. on Charlie. She's getting tough now, man. She's like hardcore now. Yeah, and and I just love her character, and I think I mean, you know, well, maybe they forget how much she's changed. Like before, yeah. they hated her because she was too soft, and now they're they're hating on her because what? Because she's too tough. I don't like make up your mind, people. Yeah, I, I don't know. The other thing I notice, it seems like in a lot of these sci-fi action uh, t- uh, TV shows, they're all left-handed. Oh, and I see she shoots left-handed. I, I, and, I didn't and, notice that. Yeah, I had the crossbow action, and then when she and and okay, you know, again, uh, we're not doing a formal really, but she avoided a really from me. You know, it's what always drives me crazy in these shows. You know, the the side that is outmatched, uh, lay, you know, lays an ambush for the the opposition. They they shoot them, they kill them, they whatever. And then they walk by, leaving a perfectly good weapon that's clearly superior to the one you have. You know, I could take your machine gun, but I just really am into this crossbow. Yeah, well, she didn't do that. (laughs) She gave the crossbow to another guy and took the automatic rifle. So, good girl. Um, All right, but the other thing that came back, the other thing, the other show that came back, Doctor Who. Yes. So, what'd you think? What'd you think? Honestly... I was I was a little disappointed. I think it was. Uh, I just I, you know I'm, I'm trying to put my finger on. it. I'm just not sure. I think it's just it's just gotten too dark with the eleventh Doctor now. You know he's just too he, he doesn't have that 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 joie de vie. No, that's not the word. That's a fancy French word, but that's not what I'm looking for. He just doesn't have that 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 uh, enthusiasm, that joy. I guess he's just all anger and revenge now. It seems you know. Well, um, I mean, yeah. th- not entirely, because when he was, like, sitting outside her house, that was pretty funny. But, like, you know, this is one of those – sometimes what happens with Doctor Who is at the end of it, I think back, like, what was the big problem and how he solved it. And I'm like, I'm not really sure what either of those were. <laughs> like, here, okay, so they're downloading people, but I do- why were they doing that? Why do- Did they answer that? I watched it twice, and I'm still not sure why they were downloading people. Well, I assume ultimately to be able to control them. So, but they didn't. They way. didn't answer that, though, right? No. All right. So they're just downloading people, and then at the end, like he did something clever that you know, like the lady was, uh, you know, busted, and she was reverted to like a 
childlike stage or something like that. And I was just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on, you know? Like, I liked it, but then it was just that, and those are the Doctor Who episodes that, like, all, and it's just because I guess maybe I'm not smart enough. I don't know. And those are the ones that don't, like, sit well with me because at the end, I'm just like, I, I just, I'm not 100% sure what, what happened there, you know? I well, get you know, the whole, the relationship thing between him and Oswin, but the, the everything else was just like, eh. Well, see, I guess for me, part of it, uh, in terms of the problem, and and admittedly, I've only seen it once, and like, and I sound like a, I think I'm a lot like you, in that, yeah, I liked it. I just expected so much more. But one of the things that got me at first was the fact that she didn't really know him, and I guess when you look back, well, okay, so what's the problem with that? What which of his previous companions knew him? And and when you get down to it, we really are starting a new season. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's almost not fair to call it no. still season seven. No, no, it's yeah, it's it's, it's completely different, completely new. Amy Royer gone. This new girl, yeah, it's it's a whole new season. Which kind of like you know, then now I'm starting to feel like a little gypped, right? Because <laughs> I think why did they yeah, give us like I don't know. I know it's because Stephen Moffat's doing like Sherlock and Doctor Who at the same time, and he's trying to juggle both of them. But it's like, man, you know, just these these long breaks in between are, are kind of killing me here a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, I agree. I was expecting more. You know, I was oh. expecting this, you know, like almost every other episode when they've been away for a while and they come back, like the Christmas episode blew me away. You know, just yeah. blew me away. Uh, the previous Christmas episode, which was the last one before that, blew me away. You know, so you figure you give Stephen Moffat a good, you know, couple months to work on something. He's going to come up with a, a, a real corker. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this was good. Don't get me wrong. It's still better than 98% of what is on television right now. But uh, it wasn't quite, I think, up to snuff, especially for a Stephen Moffat written episode, which, you know, like I always ex look at those as being even better than, than most of the other ones. Yeah, you would think. I mean, but like you said, there were some great scenes. The one you mentioned where he's standing guard outside of her flat. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other one when he's a monk and she's calling, thinking she's calling for tech support. <laughs> right. Oh, that was yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. That was that was great. That was great. And then when he shows up at, at her front door and he's in the monk garb and everything, and uh, yeah, yeah. So there was some good stuff. But yeah, like I just said, he just seems darker. You know, like when we first met him. Uh, especially when you think back that when he first uh, became the doctor and he first met the, the child of Amy, Amy as a child, um, you know, how just like kind of wide-eyed and gee whiz and kind of like, you know, just new, I guess, and excited about everything. And now he seems to be suffering from, you know, Time Lord Ennui or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. And he does have a new outfit, sort of. Yeah, my son really liked the jacket, though. He's like, I really like that purple jacket. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so what, he's, he watched it on his own the next day? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, now, well, while we're talking, this is funny, because there are a couple of things that I want to mention about, because and you, you actually kind of, I, I had an opportunity to jump in here when we were talking about Revolution, and you said the really, because the last two nights I spent watching, which... What I will refer to, and people out there might be disappointed in me when they hear this, as two movies that I really, really like are the National Treasure movies. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, all right. I wasn't sure I was I was alone on that one because oh, no. I just I, I know they. I mean, like all I could do is just poke holes at them the whole time and just say, "Oh my god!" I like I just I know how ridiculous some of the plot points are, but I just love it, you know. So anyway, I always thought that this particular actor who we both know looked very familiar and i never i mean i just i knew i just always assumed that okay he that he's in lost he's in this that and the other and so i'm watching national treasure game i'm like holy shit there's mark oh well okay i said the s word uh, maybe uh, yeah, maybe not leave it in whatever i think we'll be, we'll I th- be fine i think we'll still be good <laughs> i thought there's mark pellegrino he's an fbi agent in the first national treasure movie ah and i'm like whoa i'm like it's it's the man in black. Yeah. So, uh, so, and then um, also there's the, uh, the I don't know, you haven't seen the following yet though, right? I have not, no. Okay. I'm not sure if I'm sticking with it much longer. It's all right. But yeah, I don't know. And I've dumped Cult, by the way, in case people out there were wondering. That, that, was, that, that show ended up being really pretty bad. Do you know who was making that actually? No. It was a Rock the S.O. Bannon. Really? Yeah. I think I, think I did read that. Yeah. That show, I just couldn't take it anymore. It was just, it was pretty bad. So, anyway, back to Mark Pellegrino. Well, not Mark Pellegrino, but also the other FBI agent in that is uh, the lead FBI agent in The Following. But that I knew. That when I saw her in The Following, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I remember because her voice is very distinctive. Um, I remember that. Uh, now the now the other show, are you done with uh, Mark Pellegrino? Um, I have, yes. Keep going. I think okay. that's it. Well, also, there's one other thing I want to mention is that I discovered on Hulu that if you like belong, because I was getting caught up, getting caught up, getting caught up with uh, being human. If uh, you have a paid TV service already, that you can get shows on Hulu like the day after they're shown. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty sweet. So I discovered that, and so I was able through that I was able to get caught up on uh, being human uh, uh, like two weeks earlier than I would normally have. Now. The other show that came back that uh, I think probably a lot of our listeners are watching is Game of Thrones, which I know you haven't seen yet. I've, I saw uh, the very first one. I have it on DVD, okay. and I, I think I'm just going to leave the wife behind in this one. Then. Okay. Um, you know, it's really good. But the I guess what gets me, and I'd forgotten, number one, coming to terms with and, – and this is kind of weird for me – Lena Headey as a blonde – now, my experience with Lena Headey came from Game of Thrones first. And I'll just say, because, you know, not to spoil anything, it's... Well, I've, I've read all the books, so... Okay. Oh, well, I, and, and I can't... She's the, you know, the queen right. and, and, you know, hate as hateful a character as you want to find. Is it Cersei, o- Cersei than, something like that? Exactly. Yeah, okay. Other than her son, Joffrey. Um, yeah. God, I hate Joffrey. Right. Man, I hate that uh, guy. And then to see her as Sarah Connor in the Sarah Connor Chronicles, it's uh, it's like night. It's and hard day. to reconcile, but, but it's a great show, and you know that's back now. So now the last thing I've been watching, and I know you're not into this because I sent you the link, and you, you know, said I'm not into this. Uh, uh, the Doctor Who classic stuff, and I've been watching from the very first season, and the second series uh, was called The Daleks. So, you know, so obviously this is the first appearance of the Daleks. And yeah, I mean, the production values are crude at best. But, you know, it's really interesting to see how they laid out the whole idea behind the Daleks and, you know, how things have kind of 
changed as we've gotten into uh, you know the new version of Doctor Who that you know came back in what two thousand five. Yeah, so. I know I should go back and watch them, but it's just every time I start, I'm like, oh god, just old old guy playing Doctor. People just talk. They're just talking. All they do is talk. No one does anything. They just, they, they, you know. I know it's just a really pedestrian attitude to have of mine. It doesn't really, you know, say anything special about me. But, you know, yeah. what can I say? That's how yeah, I roll. Wow. Okay. Well, anything else before we get into the news? No, I have a, a shout out to Supernatural, but that will occur as we talk about uh, um, the episode. So, And I think we did... Uh, talk about the fact or at least mention it that amanda tapping joined the cast uh yeah oh yeah we definitely as, mentioned as that. a recurring character oh show yep so all right well but there's actually another revelation too that i didn't even know that until today that someone we both admire who actually had a pretty sizable part on supernatural for a while and who's that well you're, you're gonna you have to wait and find out oh okay it's a surprise see all right In this week's sci-fi news, HBO announced that its vampire drama, True Blood, will return for season six on Sunday, June 16th at 9 p.m. Stephen Moyer, who plays Vampire Bill, directed the season premiere. And The Hollywood Reporter first reported in May that Mark Hudis replaced departing creator showrunner Alan Ball. But The Hollywood Reporter now is reporting that Hudis has been replaced by writer-producer Brian Buckner. Now, while this might seem a recipe for disaster, Buckner's been with the show since its debut in 2008. The 10-episode season is going to feature a number of additions to the show, including Friday Night Lights actress Journey Smollett-Bell and Rutger Hauer, who we all know from Blade Runner, uh, and whose character will have a deep and dark connection to Sookie Stackhouse, who is played by Anna Paquin. Uh, yeah, Rutger Hauer does, like, he does... Yeah. Dark and and uh, like like he he I'm surprised he hasn't been on the show the whole time because like mm -hmm. you know he's menacing and dark and that he he does that better than I think almost anyone. All right, now the Peabody Awards, uh, which emanate from the University of Georgia's Grady College of Journalism, is just a mere 22 years older than Doctor Who, and just in time for the BBC uh, BBC show's 50th anniversary. Doctor Who was named a recipient of the Peabody on Wednesday, joining 38 others in the 2012 class that includes the best in electronic media. Uh, quote, our list of Peabody recipients for 2012 demonstrates the range of superb work, said Horace Newcomb, the Peabody Awards director. In a release, from local to national to international, from radio to television, broadcast to cable to web, the Peabody sets the goals for every type of media production. We'll continue to do this no matter how the world of electronic media develops. Doctor Who was the only genre property to be honored this year and will take the coveted award just in time to celebrate 50 years on television. The series won an institutional Peabody reserved for those who have been part of the electronic media landscape for a long time, and it was selected by a 16-member board filled with TV critics, industry practitioners, and experts in culture and the arts. Seemingly immortal, 50 years old and still running this engaging, imaginative sci-fi fantasy series is awarded an institutional Peabody for evolving with technology and the times like nothing else in the known television universe, the committee said in naming Doctor Who a winner. 
Since the decade started, only one other genre project has won a Peabody, with HBO's Game of Thrones taking the award last year. Now, there have been a handful of winners since the century started, however, including Sci-Fi's Battlestar Galactica in 2005, Dexter on Showtime in 2007, and ABC's Lost in 2008, and the awards will be presented in May. So, sounds like long overdue for Doctor Who. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's cool. Good job, right. Doctor Whovians. All right. Now, two uh, directors that I know you're a, a big fan of, and most genre fans know, now we have to say, the Wachowski siblings for right. their work on the Matrix franchise, and to a lesser extent on Cloud Atlas and V is for Vendetta. But the pair now plans to enter the television realm, teaming up with Netflix. The two have been working with Babylon 5 creator J. Michael Straczynski to create Sense8, a 10-episode sci-fi drama for Netflix. The media distributor who's already entered the TV production arena with Kevin Spacey's political drama House of Cards hope they can keep the original programming going with Sense8. Now, we don't know much about the story, except that it features technology that, quote, simultaneously unites and divides us, a paradox that makes Sense8 what it is, according to the Wachowskis. The series is expected to make its debut on Netflix in 2014, continuing the model the company has borrowed from premium cable channels like HBO. Casting hasn't begun yet, but filming is expected to start by the end of the year after the siblings finish work on Jupiter Ascending. So, sounds like it uh, might be pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I'm, they got me. I'm, I'll watch yeah. it. All right, so that's the news for this week. And as is our custom of late, Following the news, Wayne and Project X. Project X. All right, got some good stuff here, but quick. So, not a lot of Faye types. So, we had really a couple phase. It's really one, the big one, obviously, is the Duppy. Which is the uh, a um, like it's a Jamaican Caribbean uh, type ghost, a malevolent spirit that haunts people. Uh, sometimes as a trickster, uh, sometimes uh, just usually just nothing really good. You call it a duppy. That's that's not a good thing. That's that's a bad thing. Um, and a lot of times it can be either a manifestation or human animal form. The soul of a dead person and malevolent supernatural being. Um, so uh, they, there's like this belief that the person has two souls, uh, a good soul and an earthly soul. And in death, the good soul goes to heaven to be judged. The earth spirit remains in the coffin for three days, where if you don't do the right ceremony or whatever, it might escape and become a duppy. So, which probably is just pissed in the first place, so that's why it does bad things. Okay, um, and so there's a, a one, there's there's a bunch of kind of local legends uh, in the Caribbean. The rolling calf was the one I thought was pretty interesting. It's an evil spirit that enters the body, and it's again a duppy, a malevolent, really one of the bad ones that is uh, enters the body of a cow or some other animal at night, and uh, it has clanking chains around it. Sometimes fire coming from its nostrils. Um, and so that's like one of them. Now, also, and then what I actually posted on Facebook is because Bob Marley 
uh, wrote a song called Duppy Conqueror. And I guess at, at some point after he'd become famous, uh, he had was talking to uh, someone, I can't remember someone else, and was just mentioning how he was sick of all these people now that he was famous, now all these people who were like hanging on and hanging around him, just like these leeches, these sycophants. And, uh, and he called them duppies. And, and the guy said, well, hey, you know, I was a, a Lee Scratch Perry, apparently this guy. And uh, Scratch Perry said, hey, you know, just you got to take it back and become a duppy conqueror. So uh, Bob Marley wrote a pretty good song actually called Duppy Conqueror that I put a link to that on, uh, on Facebook there. All right. All right. So, there, but there's no like as far as like how does it tie in with a this you know babysitter and everything who is brought back every hundred years? I guess the fact that she had died and is brought back. I mean, that's kind of like the duppies. You know, I don't know. It's like a ghost, right? So, mm-hmm. but other than that, there's not a lot of real uh, connections there. Now, at the end of the episode, we saw Corina. Who was uh, that? It was a six-figured uh, Faye that was already killed uh, in that field, um, and so Korea is like very similar. It's like the uh, the Egyptian or Arabian version of a succubus, um, and it's a uh, she sleeps with a person, has relations during sleep, and is known by the dreams. Um, and so, when I was a teenager, apparently Koreans were visiting me almost every night. Now, now doesn't. Dyson mentioned something about that. He hasn't seen one outside of Egypt or something like that. Yes, right. And and then the way you just described it, that's more of the traditional interpretation of the succubus as opposed to, you know, the the modern interpretation, which is what Lost Girl uses. Right, exactly. It's the more traditional one. Um, And she usually appears in the dreams as a former beautiful woman. Uh, Guys, after dreaming, uh, they... uh, the, the the guys wake up exhausted. They think a spiritual attack was put upon them, um, and uh, so that you know you would need some kind of ritual or divination to. So yeah, it's just kind of a, a way, I guess, for guys to you know explain their nocturnal emissions. <laughs> you know, like ah, oh, that was a quarina, babe. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not messing around. That's there's a quarina visited me last night. That's that's what's going on. So. Yeah, I don't think I'll use that one. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess in the right society it would work, but uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think modern American society would really go for that. Also, what we got here is the the group of witches, like the desperate housewives that are actually a, a witch coven, mm-hmm. um, and that actually is uh, this is this is I was I was I felt bad for the show because I'm like I. I know where they got that one from. That is so an episode of Supernatural. Like, I totally know that. And it was uh, season three, episode nine. It was called Malleus Maleficarum. And uh, it was like the same thing. It's like the exact same thing. It was like these kind of bored housewives had formed a witch's coven and were uh, taking revenge on all the people who pissed them off and everything. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just glad you didn't say it was just like an episode of Desperate Housewives. Yeah, right. I wouldn't. But, I wouldn't. Then know I would have been concerned. I, I wouldn't know that unless if it were in season one that I would know. That. But I was kind of like, this is kind of like Desperate Housewives, right? This is this whole underpinning that that uh, suburban housewives are really just uh, you know waiting to have sex with all the people and do weird stuff behind closed doors all the time and everything. Um, yeah. So 
which is gives rise to the shows like Desperate Housewives and and the Orange County and the whatever, however Beverly Hills, all the housewives shows are out there. It's just this kind of male fantasy that 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 lady next door, my buddy's mom, you know, like she would do me in a second if I just you know went over there, or whatever. So, uh, but in I, you know, I, because I, I, I like, I knew it. I was like, I wanted to find out like what the name of the episode was and what was the season, and everything. Um, and then when I was looking back at that episode, I saw that there, the character in there, there's a, there's this demon uh, who uh, is pretty much through all of season three is kind of helping Sam and Dean out, and her name is Ruby, and she's played by none other than Katie Cassidy. Oh. All right, who we all know and love from Arrow. Right. And see, when I was watching Supernatural, like over the summer, I hadn't obviously hadn't seen Arrow yet. Uh, and so, you know, and, and then when, when I saw her on Arrow, I, I didn't make the connection at all because she looks a lot different uh, in, uh, in Supernatural. Like she's got kind of, she's, her hair is blonde, first of all. Oh. Uh, but yeah, so that's pretty cool. And, and, and the Ruby is actually still around. This is actually kind of interesting because, like, demons can possess bodies so the same demon it's like the same thing with like the you know, the doctor except demons can go from body to body to body and the same demon can possess different people um and so uh um so even uh so ruby ends up uh possessing another body and the actress who plays ruby now was it now oh i think they got a third actress actually playing her now at some point there's an actress playing her that actually she and uh, and uh, Jared Padalecki got married. The guy who plays uh, Sam. So Sam Sam uh, Winchester is married to a demon. Oh, nice. Kind of. Well, not Sam. You know, Jared Padalecki is married to an actress who plays the demon. Yeah. Yeah. That's still, you know, yeah. I like the irony. Yeah. And they actually play off of that in, in one episode because they have, like, they, they do these meta episodes every now and then where... And this is like my absolute favorite Supernatural episode, but Sam and Dean like end up on the movie set or the TV set of the show Supernatural, right? Like, so like everyone knows them as Jensen and Jared and everything like that. It's freaking hilarious. And, uh, and they go back to Jared Padalecki's house to discover that Jared Padalecki, the actor, is married to Ruby. And they're like, wow, they're all freaked out. They're like, oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's great. Awesome episode. Listener feedback. Yeah, baby. We'll now move into some listener feedback. feedback We've got some com- feedback. Oh wait, no, you got one. Feedback. I've got one. Yeah. Hey. All right, anyway, so got some comments. You had like the uh, porno I, music I get- for that. <laughs> <laughs> comments again from Sally, and well, she sent us uh, some email comments and then also a voicemail comment. So Wayne, why don't we listen to? Sally's voicemail first, and then we'll talk about it. Do it up, brah. Hi, Dave and Wayne. This is Sally. I thought I'd go multimedia and leave you guys a voicemail. Um, I'll try to keep it to 90 seconds. You, uh, one, My comment is about your guys' commentary on the episode of Delinquents and how many hairs Tamsin took from each person. Um, I think I disagree that she took one from Dyson, and two from Lauren. I actually think it's the other way around. If you rewatch the scenes, then 
you'll notice she takes one eyelash from Lauren, and then there's no other um, evidence that she takes any other hair from Lauren. And then if you watch the scene where she's taking hair from Dyson's comb, it's she's definitely she makes two kind of motions where she's yanking hair out of the comb. I think it's maybe a little vague. You could think it was one long hair that she was trying to jerk out, but he doesn't really have long hair. So my read of the situation is that she thinks Bo loves Lauren and trusts Dyson. Probably not too shocking coming from me. Uh, Love the podcast. Hope the voicemail thing works. Looking forward to your review of the most recent episode. All right. Well, you know, I think she's probably right. I, I did happen to go back and it does look like she's just taking one eyelash from Lauren. Uh, you know, two from Dyson, I guess. But I, I, I think she's right. And I mean, I think we, we even talked about this subsequently. Bo loves Lauren and trusts Dyson, you know, and, and sure. I, I can't, I can't argue with that. It just like all I'm saying is that it just looks like she's just holding up like the one Hair, you know, like if really they wanted to make it more clear storytelling, that she would like pull one out and then like put an envelope and then pull another one out and say, "Oh, she just definitely pulled two hairs out." But I think we'd all be disappointed if they made it obvious. Well, I mean, I I was disappointed in so many other things in that episode. Why not throw one else in there? (laughs) Yeah, good point. You know, although you know, in retrospect, or she could just hold up like two hands. I don't know. Yeah, well, anyway, now she goes on to say in her emails that, uh, uh, and and most of her her comments are related to Isaac, and she says, Isaac is certainly more than he seems. Did you notice his facial expressions when Lauren turned him down for the job again at the beginning of the episode? Those expressions were not nice and kind of scary. I think he's a bad guy. I could buy into the theory that he's Bo's father. What an interesting twist that would be. Bo's all gung-ho about feeling love from her father and her vision in the temple, needing to find him. But what if it turns out that he's absconded with Lauren? Now, she went willingly, but you know what I mean, just to draw Bo to him. Maybe Bo will have to choose whether or not to kill her father. A nod to Luke Skywalker, perhaps? Yeah, but Luke's job wasn't to kill his dad. His his job was to save his dad. Okay. He didn't kill Darth Vader. He, the Darth Vader died because uh, of the injuries he sustained in killing the Emperor. Okay. So, oh. but it, it, and actually, Luke uh, rejects the the lightsaber. He says, you know, and he says, "I'm not here to kill you." I mean, you know, he's so his whole job is to save, to redeem Anakin. So now she also says, "Not sure why Lauren would go with Isaac when he essentially blackmailed her," uh, and of course, by doing that, isn't she defying the Ash? And, yeah, and we'll she's talk- pissed. She's, yeah. she's a, a disgruntled worker, man. Di- Hale? And we're gonna, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. Yeah, well, we'll get into that in the episode. I don't like Hale yeah. anymore. Well, no, I don't think most people do anymore. Yeah. Uh, all right, and, now, and, and, sec- you, and you piss people off like that. If you're a bad boss and you're an asshole, oh, God, I said it twice. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, I'm gonna get we're going to get the mature tag for this one, aren't we? Well, yeah. maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, but, you know, <laughs> if you're mean to your, your, your workers, then they are not going to enjoy working for you. They're not going to be as productive and they're going to want to work for somewhere else where their boss is nicer, basically. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So So she's like, bite me. 
Hail. Well, we'll, I'm out <laughs> well, here. we'll get to that in the episode. <laughs> now, now she also says, how about Lauren in those jeans? Hot. Um, I, I thought she looked pretty hot in that, that blouse as well. I mean, the jeans, yes. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I like Lauren and, you know, but yeah, I, I agree. She looked pretty good in that. Yeah, outfit. she's with Bo. I just can't think of her that way. All right. Now, uh, lastly, she says, what's up with the rap sheet on Karen Beatty? Is that Lauren's real name or was it her alias? I think her only crime was that awful haircut. Yeah, that haircut's brutal. That's funny. <laughs> it was just a funny, like, it's supposed to be, like, serious. Like, you know, like, okay, here, I just discovered that you are wanted and all this, and you, your name was Karen and you had a bad haircut. So, you know, it's supposed to be, like, really serious, but then you look at that picture and you, like, you just can't help but laugh because, like, it's just, it's just awful. Yeah, but. Uh, Not as anyway. bad, though. As Nick Nolte's, uh, it's not really his mugshot. He's just no. Like, I know exactly yeah, what you're talking like about. Like the picture, someone took him. He was in like the hospital after he like he got arrested for drug driving. Oh my god, worst picture ever. Yep. But anyway, uh, Sally It'd be funny if pre- that was the picture on her rap sheet. Now that would be great. <laughs> anyway, all right, Sally, we appreciate your comments. Keep them coming, and if anybody else wants to drop us a line, you can hit us at Fatalist podcast at gmail.com you can check out our website fadeless.podbean.com where you can leave us a voicemail just click on that green tab at the right side of the page keep in mind though you have to keep the message to 90 seconds or less but of course you can send us multiple voicemails Uh, you can also find us now on facebook and wayne's doing a good job of, of trying to update the information there and we occasionally will uh, tweet on Twitter. I guess that's redundant. And as most of our listeners are likely already doing, you can access us through iTunes. So now let's get to the episode. Let's get to the episode. I mean, might as well. I mean, it's only like a half hour, right? Like, yeah. Season three, episode 45 11. 45 minutes? Oh, wait. That's how much the Skype call is. Adventures <laughs> in Fabie sitting. And I'm going to I'm gonna take you off the hook here. Yeah. Written, written by... Sandra Chokowska. Did you? How'd you find that? I, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, I was I actually. It. Trying, I, I, was I wrote like, it out I phonetically. Gonna, I was trying to think. Like I had some buddies of mine who are of Polish ancestry. I was wondering if I like got in touch with them. If they'd be able to help me out with the. Uh... But that sounds. That looks... Yeah, and and we know she wrote the the Kenzie, Kenzie scale. scale and, yeah. And then directed by Lee Rose, who we know from the ceremony, Lee Truth Rose and Consequences. Is, he just he uh, he knocks one out of the park every time. He's that guy is gold and masks. Yeah, so. like all of those are awesome episodes. Like right. when they got like a really now. One thing I need to say about Sandra Chukowska is that she's listed now as executive story editor. Oh, okay. Now, is that just because she wrote this particular episode, or is she now head? I mean, I just like head writer is is it's not it's not like a credit, right? Like they don't they don't have that. Just everyone you have like a zillion executive producers. One of them is the the, the lady who created the show, who was we thought was no longer with the show, but then wrote the last episode. Um, so you never like I I don't know where to find out. Like I try to do like head writer. Uh, Lost Girl, and you always get like you know Emily Andres or or, uh, or Michelle Orveta. So I'm just wondering because you know, like first of all, like we haven't had an Emily Andres episode in ages, um, and then I see in this in this the uh, the 
the credits that uh, that Sandra is the executive story editor. So I don't know what's going on. Well, my guess would be, and again, uh, you know, from the little bit of information that Mike and I have been able to glean from you know the writing teams at Continuum, and then you know back when Lost was on the air, and uh, you know there was a lot of information that was that was given out by uh, you know the you know Carlton and Damon Lindelof about you know how they wrote each episode, and and so it doesn't sound like Emily Andrus and uh, Michelle Lavretta are there on a day-to-day basis, would be my guess. So somebody's got to be in charge. So maybe that's what, what uh, Sandra Chilkowski is doing. Yeah. So Well, she writes some good uh, – I, I thought she'd written more than, than just the, the, the Kenzie scale, but yeah. that was it. But anyway, so what would you think of the episode? I liked it. Yeah. Really you bounced know, I, back from – because I just can't I, – I just – I was – all right, I'm going to let it rest. Just saying, good to see him back with a very strong episode. All right. Well, you know, there was, there was a lot I liked about this one. And I think I even tweeted that, you know, I liked it, but yeah, you know, I guess I expected more sort of like what we said about Dr. Who, but watching it a second time, there was a lot there that I just, it just didn't hit me the first time. Yeah. And, hell yeah. yeah there's a lot there, man. Dyson yeah. finds a whole field of dead people, bro. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's uh, certainly the big reveal at the end. But one of the things I did like about it is how they injected the whole uh, voodoo, witchcraft. You know, we, we've been in this fey world for, you know, almost three full seasons now. And you start to think, well, what else can they do? It's like, hey, let's throw some more, you know, voodoo in there. Or, or, or not more, but throw some witchcraft yeah, in there. Yeah, throw some, some witches in there. And, you know, I thought it really worked well. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it should work well because they totally ripped it off from Supernatural and it works well on that show. So you know, why not? All right. Well, anyway, the opening scene I thought was awesome. You know, you got Bo and Kenzie watching and mocking some yeah. horror oh, movie yeah, on yeah, TV. Yeah, really good, yeah. And, and to be honest, you know, I, I'm sure we both do the same thing when we watch a lot of movies. In fact, I'll very often wake my wife up because I'm talking to the sh- whatever show I happen to be watching. Um, yeah. I, I, I tend to keep it in my inner monologue because when I say these things aloud, I, I find I annoy people. Yeah. Well, so I just keep it to myself, but yeah, I'm like, you're always saying the same thing, you know, don't go in the basement. Don't turn off the light. You know? Yeah. But I guess what I also found interesting was the little dialogue bits and pieces about her break from Lauren. And I guess what struck me was she doesn't seem all that concerned. Well, because she is floating on denial, man. Yeah. You got it like that floating on. I do. I do. like like that. Um, (laughs) So, uh, you know, she's just not at all accepting because she keeps calling it a break, not a breakup. It's just a little break. Right. And it honestly, I'm kind of like at least last week I was I was like with her there. I'm like, well, it doesn't. Yeah, you know, I I know Lauren is breaking up with her per se, but it doesn't seem like Lauren's heart is really into it. You know, it yeah, we, well, you know, also we go back to the fact that while Bo is 30 years old chronologically, I mean, she's basically still 18. Sure, you know, so it's like, you know, oh, oh, we're just we're just taking a break. He's definitely going to call me again, right? Yeah. So he's not going to you know, call. They never, they never call. 
Right. Now, obviously, it was cool because this parallels with what turns out to be, you know, the A story, the, you know, the procedural, because we're, we're back there with this young babysitter who thinks she's getting a prank call. Turns out it's the dad who's supposed to be on a business trip. Right. And, and, and there's like that that repetition there because they're watching the movie and they say, the, you know, oh, don't answer the phone. The killer's in the house, blah, blah, right. which is right from Scream, right? Right. And, exactly. and then um, so so then you have the babysitter answering the phone and the there's no killer. I mean, she's she's a killer, ironically enough. Uh, so it's kind of like role reversal there. And then, see, here's where with what Sally said about Isaac, because at the end, what's happening, right? Do you, do you catch that at the end where, like, he calls her Lauren on the cell phone and he's, like, right outside the door? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's, you know, like, oh. he's, like, he's also, is he the killer? The, you know, oh. the quote, unquote, the killer, you know, whatever. I mean, he's the baddie, right? We, yeah. know, I mean, we, oh, know, yeah. we know he's the baddie. We, we know he's the baddie. You know, he looks we, know, like, we know he's the baddie, but I think that's, that's a pretty solid piece of evidence. Yeah. You know, the whole phone thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she's talking, uh, he starts making comments about her cleavage, which, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, it's like, what, you can see me? You're, you know, she's looking around like, where are you? And then really creepy when she sees him hanging in the home's foyer. Yeah, that that is so, I mean, well, like American Horror Story, right? Right. That, that's but, totally remind me of that. And, and I was just like, yeah, that is super creepy. Yeah, but it, it does at least provide a purpose for that area of the modern home. I mean, I don't know if you're, you know, what your house is like, uh, but you know, the whole, like mine has, you're always wondering what, I, what, what do I do with all this negative space here under the stairs? Oh yeah. Right. Perfect place for, right. For, so, yeah. Yeah. but, uh, <laughs> then she wakes up to the mom who tells her that the husband's on a business trip. And the next thing we see is that the babysitter comes to Bo and Kenzie and tells them it's the first time something bad. It's not the first time something bad has happened in, uh, you know, this neighborhood. So Right. And right at that, well, it, it wasn't at that point. But this is where I'm starting to suspect. Because like I said, seen this before in Supernatural. And then when they walk into the book club, I'm like, bam, witches. You know, I got it. Yep. They're, to they're totally witches. I know it. It's yeah. it's the book club witches thing. And, uh, you know. But yeah. but yeah, so I start I start having little inklings of suspicions here. Well, you know, I, I got a, a notepad on you know my table here in the studio and, and making some you know notes the, about things we might talk about during the hiatus. And number one on the list where I've got this question, I think I've mentioned this to you before. Am I getting tired of the Bo Kenzie partnership? And I really was until this episode. Well, you know, yeah, we hadn't seen it. A lot well, before this. I mean, we saw a little bit. There's this Bo place like home and everything. But a lot of this has been Bo kind of striking out on her own. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, we can't have this every week. Uh, you know, we can't have the procedural because this this episode was really uh, heavy on the procedural. Huge procedural. Right. Uh, but just to see them like they were and, and they even comment, you know, when, when she hands them, when the t babysitter hands them their old uh private investigator poster it's like oh look we were so cute back then or whatever you know that uh it's just uh, two years ago man it wasn't like yeah it wasn't like you're looking at your senior picture 
Yep, and Kenzie mentions that they need to update their ad presence. And, and you know, it's just like old times. Right. Uh, but- and we've forgotten that back in season one that that was the cover, right? That that right. she was – there. how they were going to make money. She was going to be a investigator. Um, and she's supposed to be getting paid for this. She's been doing a lot of pro bono work, it seems, recently. Like, the you know, just doing st- stuff for free and not really getting paid for it. Right. Now, you know, you talk about the uh, – you know, conventions that, that uh, you know, get overused and certainly one of the TV tropes that, that's certainly been used many times is the whole, uh, you know, couple coming to buy a house in this upscale neighborhood, but, you know, there's something uh, dark and ominous, you know, waiting to strike. Yeah, which so, you knew when you had like the, the over-bubbly, uh, crazy-eyed real estate agent. Oh my gosh, you talk about on speed or whatever she was on. (laughs) But, uh, you know, so we find out though, that the babysitter is Faye. Right. We do find that out, but she's dead. And we find out she can be controlled at the behest of the controller. Um, so, you know, we, at this point, we're, we're not sure it's going to turn into witchcraft because, you know, we haven't seen any of that in Lost Girl before. But yeah. Oh, you caught me there. Ah, all right, yeah. you bust me. You, you, yeah. you knew I was going to say, and you cut me off. Oh, but sorry, I said it anyway. No, because you, you knew I was going to come in and say, well, I already saw it Supernatural. You're probably just like, I'm sick of him saying he saw it in Supernatural. He said it like three times now. Give it a rest, well, this, Wayne. No, well, this is the third. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll let it go now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the whole idea, and, and you mentioned, you know, that, that uh, you know, that they're set, they're out to punish the men in their lives that have hurt them. And I guess the question that that comes up for me is that is there a connection between the him that hired Tamsin and, and Acacia and the him who seems to be the evil presence summoned by the well, witches? Yeah, yeah, so. it totally is right because he 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 possesses uh, what's her name Susan I guess okay and and then she does the the voice and he says like you know. We will take over a child. I don't know, when we get to that part. Like, yeah, uh, but so then I guess what we're saying oh, is- Oh, you know like, not your true strength child, but soon you will, and the world will bow down before us. So it's basically kind of like the same stuff that uh, Bo was saying before. So yeah, it's I, it's it's all in the same bag. This guy is, this guy is crazy powerful, man. Yeah. Um, but then we're saying that there is a connection between, uh, you know, fatum if that's an actual word, uh, and witchcraft. Right. You know what I mean? But, I mean, you're, that's where, now you're assuming that this dude, the wander, is a fae, right? Well, well, true. I'm not saying he's human, but there's all kinds of other stuff he could be and not necessarily fae because, like, the whole field, right? Like, yeah. there's dark, light fae in there, dark fae. Everything, you know, is this is this guy, this wanderer, is is does he even transcend maybe fatum? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you know? I don't know either. A lot um, of questions. But yeah, absolutely. Um you, you know, you already mentioned that, you know, you you knew once, you know, they they burst into the book club, which was a pretty funny scene too, when you know, they hear the yeah, screen. Right. Cut the knife and everything. Right. Do you always take uh bring a knife to book club? And uh, which, you know, at which point I say, 
Do you always invite someone who bursts in your house with a knife to join your book club? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, hey, nice knife. Why don't you come by the barbecue? Yeah, bring your knife. Maybe a machete next time, eh? Yep. Um, well, we also find that, uh, y- you know, and I'm not sure how Kenzie ended up back at the doll with Trick. But, you know, she gets some information. Uh, and- I think didn't Bo send her to yeah. to do something like... Yeah, I think she she sent her to to go and find out stuff or something. Yeah, but pretty cool how the bodies, you know, after she would, you know, kill them, they would just kind of like flash and then just disappear into thin air. Um, You know, we find out that, you know, the whole thing about that she can be invoked every hundred years, that she's basically dead. And, you know, you already mentioned about, you know, that somehow is brought back Um, and, you know, unfo- like Lisa says, so I'm dead and I kill people. And Kenzie replies, the TV movie just writes itself. Yeah, killer, dead, babysitter, the TV movie writes itself. Really? And, you know, she doesn't know that she's Faye. And 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 I really did like you know, when Kenzie tries to explain to her that, you know, being Faye is special because, you know, coming from Kenzie, who's really had to wrestle with this whole human versus Faye and, and hey, I was almost Faye myself. You know, and, you know, it really tells her that, you know, it's, you know, it's something special. Yeah. Well, you know, and here's the irony, right? Because here you have Kenzie, who's human and wants to be Faye. And then you got Lisa, who's Faye, but wants to be human. Yeah. Right. And and they're, they're both talking to each other. And I think they kind of realize that the irony of that, that situation there. Yeah. Um, now, Kenzie has to substitute babysit i fought the garuda i think i can handle one 10 year old yeah okay so as a parent all i'm saying is if my babysitter can't do it having someone else who just i just met yesterday show up that's not okay you know that's not like you can't have a substitute babysitter come in like some stranger what are you kidding me like how is that all right like that was a, a really of mine i know it's a lame really but that's one of my reallys there. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were some, there were some great lines in this one. And, you know, one of the women, uh, you know, they, they invite Bo and Kenzie to their uh, little barbecue, whatever, dinner party. And one of the women sees Bo suck you touching Sam. So, right. That was uh, Caroline was, was her name. Right. Right, so she really, you know, realizes something's up with Bo, and and you know, she would be desirable for our coven, and takes him out, and and again, a really awesome scene, you know, where they they summon the goddess of the lunar light, and day turns to night, and right. then that burning pentagram in the ground, that was pretty cool. No, that was super cool. I liked that a lot. Yeah, that was a good. Uh, that was a good scene. You bitches are witches. Yeah, I like it. You and you can count witches. me in. <laughs> But then, you know, then what one of them replied, you know, this is about strong women understanding their worth, which kind of is, is, you know, the sub text. I say in my notes, I I put down fair point to her, man, because that's, you know, that I, okay, I kind of get that. I think you've gone a little overboard, maybe, but I, I understand your, 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 where you're coming from. Right. And, you know, but again, I mean, that's been a, a huge aspect of Lost Girl. So whether it's with Bo, whether it's with Lauren, whether it's with Kenzie, um, you know, that, that yeah, uh, perhaps they overstated it a bit. But uh, 
so then we find out that there's uh, the trinket, which turns out to be the ne- necklace that humans need to invoke the guppy. And, and the duppy. I guess, are we to, the, I mean, the duppy, what I wrote. I you wrote, said guppy. That's what I typed. <laughs> that would uh, be cool. Ah, it's a guppy. It's like this big, like killer fish. Like, well, like a little tiny one, you know, like you can't really see it. It just floats up. and just like attacks you. Like, uh, I like it. The guppy. Um, that's like a horror movie right there. All right. Yo, we got that patent, man. That, that's well, if, if well, someone so, else writes this, we're gonna we're, we're taking the royalties. Uh, so, are we led to believe that only humans can invoke the duppy? So, I guess other fae can't. Or well, I don't. Well, I don't think there's anything about that other fae can't. Right, and I guess it's probably not important. But yeah. Uh, so the women are in the park. They invoke some spirit to kill Sam. Kenzie talks Lisa down as she's advancing on Sam with the knife. Well, she kind of does, right? Yeah, but it's kinda. also because what what were they what were they doing? Well, the the one line, and I, again, I guess this is Kenzie suck on that vegan energy bar, you bitch. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, well, the, well, the circle breaks up. Now you already mentioned that uh, you know the 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 redhead, and I forget which what her name was. Uh, was she? She was, I think. Oh, oh, head. oh! She uh, Bo Bo uh, has the uh, sp- spreads discord in the coven. Okay. So at the same time, so part of it is that uh, uh, Kenzie is talking to, but I think really what does it is that Bo, um, you know, uh, breaks up the unity of the the coven, and then the two, Caroline and Susan. Um, Oh, they, they burn up afterwards. Right. But, uh, right. but yeah, so I think the main part of it is she, she breaks, I guess, the kind of bond between the, the, the witches and the, uh, the duppy. Right. And then the redhead, who was, I think, the real estate agent. Susan, she, yes. Right. So she's got the blue glowing eyes, and that's when she says, right. which you, you are, you know, you yeah. know not your true strength, child, but soon you will, and the world will bow down before us. Um, us, me, you know, so again, who's... Who's us? Is this going to be her father, yes. the wanderer? Are they one and the same? Yes. Uh, then they vanish, like you just said, turns back to day, and Bo asks, who are you? Yeah. And obviously that's one of the fundamental questions of the the show. So that pretty much takes us through the procedural. Um, why don't, you want to talk about Lauren for a second? Uh, sure. Okay. We can. Um, because while we don't see her a lot, her presence and, and, you know, her, you know, involvement in the plot was, was pretty significant. So, you know, we see Hale who, you know, is the new Ash and, uh, or as he points out, he's, you know, planning his inauguration. So I assume that, you know, he's going to be the permanent Ash won't let her take a sabbatical gives her the weekend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, she stands and good for her stands up to him with that, you know, the line about, you know, power corrupting or, or you give somebody power and it reveals their character and obviously implying that, that, you know, it's showing what a dick he is. Yeah. But you um, know, like, that's also like, kind of like say, well, I knew you back when I knew you, you know, I knew you back in the day and you were different then. It's like, well, yeah, yeah I was different then. You know why? Because I wasn't the freaking Ash back then. Now I am. A little bit different responsibilities, right? Well, now that well, being said, he is a dick now, though. You, we see Doctor Isaac Felt again, and uh, the actor who plays him, Sean Doyle. He's one of you know. When I saw him the first time, I'm like, where do I know him from? And I don't know if you ever saw the HBO series Big Love, 
Uh, nope. Bill Paxton, uh, he's a Mormon, and it's all he's got three wives. Oh. And and Sean Good Doyle, who plays uh, Doctor Isaac Felt, was his uh, younger brother, uh, who you know had a pretty significant okay. role. In the I show. just any- said he kind of looks like Bill Gates. Okay. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So um, now she eventually agrees to take the job that's going to require her to leave town. So basically, uh, she's defying Hale, right? Not basically. She totally is defying. Okay. Yeah. Which again, you know. I mean, this is the Lauren that I think a lot of us have been waiting to see. Sure. Yeah, right. Because she's not all, oh, Bo, you know, oh, let's be girlfriends and let's hang out and let's be all relationshipy and stuff. You know, this is just, you know, Lauren, good for her, you know, take a stand, striking out on her own. I like it. Now, Sally mentions the the bad haircut picture. So basically – he blackmails her by revealing that her name is Karen Beatty and she's wanted by Canadian authorities and Interpol. And according to this document, she's thought to be in the Congo. She's been known to participate in anti-government demonstrations. She's been linked to an organization that's connected to several other Interpol wanted cases. Where'd, where'd you find, did you, did you, did you like screen cap that to get all that stuff? Yeah, I just oh. pa- I just paused it on the big screen. Oh, okay, and, you know, <laughs> like where did um, you get all that? I just I just saw the name and the, the haircut yeah. and everything. So, um, but you know, when you really examine it, I mean, it doesn't sound like anything that's all that bad. Anti-government demonstrations, but on the other hand, if you're wanted by Interpol, you know, right. there, there, there's got to be something there. Yeah, because but, but that, that, they're an awesome band, though. Yeah, is there a band? Cool. Yeah. Because, of course, I've never heard of them. Oh, they're awesome. They're All right, fantastic. so Isaac hands her the folder, tells her, hey, you know, this is the only copy, and I know this is what you want. This is what freedom looks like. Yeah. Uh, now, so how does he know that she's been looking to free herself from the ash? How, and, of course, has she been, really? I mean, I think, like the rest of us, I think she probably has thought that once Hale took over – she would have freedom. Right. Right. That that ain't happening. No. Right? No, absolutely um, not. I, you know, I think if you look at it from a non-suspicious point of view, you could just say that here he is. He's wondering how someone so incredibly talented is slumming it, basically. And so he just, he kind of figures out, well, you know, there, there's got, they must have something on her, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, if, you know, like, I'm pretty sure we're correct that there's there's definitely something more to this guy. And I'm pretty sure he's Bo's dad. Um, but uh, but anyway, we just know he's got ulterior motives here and, and that he's you know, obviously, you know, he's very rich and everything and probably pretty powerful. So is he is he Faye? Well, yeah, I mean, I think he's, okay. that's what I'm saying. There's, there's more to him for sure. Um, so, but if we look at it without thinking there's more to him, if we just take him straight up for what he is, if, and we just say, well, this guy is just a, he, re-, you know, cause there's two ways you can look at Isaac. You can look at him suspiciously as we do, as Sally does saying that he is definitely, there's something else at the very least. You can say there's something else about him. He's got ulterior motives. I think she, he's supposed dead. Or you could just say, well, this is just a genuinely nice guy who wants to learn to work for him, and he's uh, rich and powerful, so he's kind of used to getting his way. He's, you know, he's gotten here because he knows how to get his way, 
and uh, and and so there there is no ulterior motive. He's just a nice guy who realizes that she's a talented person, is slumming it, and so that uh, that that you know, to he figures out why she's slumming it. Okay. Um, well, clearly she's defying the ash. What are the consequences going to be? We don't know. You know, how hard is Hale going to come down on her? I mean, is he going to send somebody out to go get her? Yeah, he's going to send Bell. Okay. Well, that'll be interesting. Now, the other interesting thing is, did you notice as she's, you know, kind of looking around the, the apartment before she leaves, she takes off the necklace. And I'm assuming uh, that's the necklace that binds her to the ash, right? Yeah, that's yeah. We've her, seen it right, before. Right, right, right. So she takes that off. And then makes the conscious decision to leave her cell phone behind. Right. And that's, see, that's where I'm like, now that is really cutting the cord, man. Yeah. You know, like leaving, going off of this guy, that's one thing, but leaving her cell phone behind, that is totally just her saying, you know, I'm done with this past life. I'm moving on to something new. I'm cutting all ties to, to my past life. And that's, that's ballsy of her, man. Well, yeah, and it's just so unexpected. I mean, because of Bo. Yeah, and that's a nice phone, too. <laughs> <laughs> was that a uh, BlackBerry? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So it's not that great, but yeah. Well, well yeah, it wasn't like it was com- an iPhone. Com- or compare where well, you know what kind of phone I have. Right. So. Oh, yeah. Well, it's way better than my phone, too. But yeah, not, not uh, top notch. There's right. better phones out there, for sure. But. You know, so even though we didn't see a lot of Lauren in this episode, uh, you know, there was really a lot of significant implications uh, as a result of her actions. So, you know, it, it, a kind of a natural segue would be to Hale, who apparently uh, is going to become the permanent Ash because he mentioned that he's been working on his inauguration. So, right. Well, he uh, became an a hole. So, therefore, he has fulfilled the last requirement for being an Ash. Okay. Now, his character, I guess what I jotted down, is becoming rapidly irrelevant. And, you know, now... Well, he granted, hasn't, he's, it's been a long time since he's even been in an episode. Yeah, and you know what? I was going to go back and try to figure out, you know, how many he's been in this time and eh, proved too difficult. Now, I, I mentioned, you know, last week, I think Casey Collins, who plays Hale, is, uh, you know, in this show with... Uh, Oh gosh, Lexi yeah. Doig's husband, right. uh, uh, Michael Shanks, hope, hope, raising hope, raising hope, yeah, right. uh, or saving hope. There's two. There's two doctor shows, I think, with hope, but he's in one of them. But anyway, uh, now apparently, if you look at the title for next week's episode, I believe it's all hail, hail, oh, hail, hail, yeah, or, right. So obviously, it's going to be a, a hail centric episode. But you start thinking like, is it you know too little, too late? So so we'll see. I mean, uh, Tamsin has done a nice job of taking his place. So we'll see. I mean, have the, was it the five families or the four families? Uh, four, I, I think. Okay. I mean, have, have they lost their relevance? I mean, uh, so I think that's a question that, that we'll have to take a peek at. Well, there was like all the, the heads of the families getting all killed and stuff. Yeah. So, and there, so there wasn't, there just like only like, isn't like Zamur? Weren't they like the only ones left? Just I don't know. It's been yeah, but anyway, so. but so. but yeah, I I think if if they're you know you know basically kind of weaning him off the show because he's he's got another gig going, then uh, yeah. yeah. So all right, now uh, Dyson. Okay, he's in the police station. 
Anita, a very attractive blonde who looked very familiar, uh, comes to Dyson at the behest of the ash. She's lost contact with her twin and felt pain like she's never felt. So, uh, you know, it, it basically what this ends up leading to is that Dyson's, you know, looking over crime scene photos and he sees that one picture where, and he puts two and two together. It's like, hey, whoever strangled that girl that Bo had been with had six fingers. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, Bo doesn't have six fingers. Yeah, and that's where I come in with my, really? Like, okay. you're just getting around and noticing that now? Yeah. <laughs> like, what kind of a cop are you, man? Wasn't yeah. that on the autopsy? Uh, yeah. A six-fingered person killed her. Like, you think a coroner would kind of catch that, you know? Well, we you know, we don't see much of Dyson in this episode, but, but I did like uh, the developing dynamic between he and Tamsin and – you know, that, that he really does consider her his partner. And clearly, you know, at this episode, and she was awesome. We'll talk about her in a minute. But it's clear he doesn't want her spiraling out of control. And he's not going to let her out of Too her late. job. Well, we'll see. You know, uh, he's not going to let her out of her doing her job as a detective. So, you know, I really did like that. Um, so she shows up at the police station hungover, smelling of alcohol, and, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've gone on record with my, you know, feelings towards Tamsin, and, and, and as rough as she looked, oh, man, she's hot. All right, anyway. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, she, yeah, you're right, know, she, looked, she looked tough. She looked rough. She, all right, she, so, uh, so, I mean, is this, as a result, I mean, this, this alcohol binge i mean is it a result of her conflicted attitude regarding whether or not she's going to bring in Bo? i i would say yes okay um so i mean we, we know from last episode she's got the necessary hairs so we just don't know i mean what's the next step you know once she puts them in the uh the vial you know do, do we did we learn what she's supposed to do with the vial uh, I think she just delivers it and the wanderer will do the rest. Okay. So she's got to actually give it to somebody else. I think so. Okay. So, so then I guess the question becomes, has she already done that? Which is why she really feels badly or is she just so conflicted? She doesn't know what her next step is going to be, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just, I was, as, as we were talking, I was kind of poked around. Uh, Casey Collins is on Saving Hope, not Raising Hope. Okay. He plays yeah. Dr. Tom Raincraft. Yeah. Um, and Which, not to um, get too far away from this, but I think we've mentioned before, it's a, kind of a supernatural, I think it's even described probably as a supernatural medical drama. Yeah, but it's not... Like last last week, I talked about like Greg Garcia, and that is raising hope. Is the Greg Garcia show, right? Not saving hope. Okay. Then they should you, stop putting the same words in shows that have like similar themes to it. Or whatever. You know, I agree with right. you. Now, um, you know, one of the big reveals we'll you know we'll get to in a second when they're out at the killing field. But you know, she uh, Tamsin tells Dyson, you know, that she's got to tell him something, and some serious shit's about to go down. But, you know, once they discover that killing field, you know, she holds that thought. So what's she going to tell him? I mean, is she going to tell him that, look, you know, I, I gave this vial to the wanderer and Bo's in deep trouble or I don't know what to do. you got to help me out. Uh, but, you know, 
clearly there's something going on with her. And, you know, I read, and again, I've been going against my basic tenets, which is to not read, you know, fan comments on the internet, but sometimes you just can't help yourself. And and I did read a couple of comments where people were wondering whether Tamsin's role on the show is a one-season deal. Right. And I I had said that my theory is that, that it is. Oh, I certainly hope not. But I, I hope, like, as I said before, as well. Like, I I hope not as well because I really like her, uh, Rachel Scarson. I think she's doing a great job. I love the character, but I think she's kind of doomed to the the one and done. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Well, we'll see. Yes. Now, now, uh, obviously, we've talked about Bo during the procedural, but uh, um, you know, we we see, you know, the, this whole. Uh, kind of motherly attitude towards Lisa, the babysitter, that, look, I'm going to be there for you. Every hundred years, I'll be there for you. Right. And she's just, I mean, and she said this about herself, is that, you know, she's just, I mean, she's, she just is there to help people. You know, she, like, helps people all the time, and she's, like, you know, she's right, just right, always going to do the right thing. Right, but is she making promises she can't keep? I mean. Well, I, I think it's funny, and she knows that, Notice this herself in that this is like the first time she's really even addressed the issue of the longevity of a phased life. It's the first time she really realized that, hey, I I could totally be around for the next however many hundred years. Well, yeah. right. But that's not the question. I mean, the question is because Bo has clearly become this, you know, pivotal figure in Fatum that, you know, she may have bigger things on her plate. Every hundred years, uh, but she so. won't like that. I mean, you know, Bo is not like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Bo is not a hail. Like right. she'll be around. All right. Now, Bo has the necklace and appears to try to deactivate it. You know, so whether or not she was successful, who knows? Well, I think uh, she did, because I mean, they, she killed her. I mean, that's the thing. Like she, I think she said that all that stuff just as a way to try and talk Lisa out of whatever you know, because they she killed her, killed her. I think. Yeah. I mean, I think she killed her dead. She's not coming back ever, um, and uh, and and so um, uh, yeah, and so that was all you know part of it, you know, like the the necklace, and then drain the chi from her. Which earlier they said she doesn't have chi, right? But they right. Know, there's definitely like that was the blue stuff draining from her. So I don't know, whatever. Right. Which I guess at first I thought you know basically what Trick was having Bo do was put her out of her misery permanently but apparently yeah. that wasn't the case no that's the case well but but then why does Bo say after you know that that i'll be around every hundred years was that just to well, comfort her I, yeah 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 you know, before i, I, just, I, I, before I, I, I euthanize she, you right right okay and i think kind of giving her a last chance to kind of um uh, say uh, you know what i really i don't want to do it you know yeah. I, I i'll just bring me back, but uh, but she says no. I, I want do it. Please do it because I don't want people bring me back to be a killer anymore. So okay, all right. Well, uh, they're back at at their place, and and Bo tells Kenzie that she doesn't know what she's doing, and then she she recounts. And and again, this is one of the things I really liked about Bo and Kenzie back together the way we know them is that that you know it's a vehicle for Bo to really talk things out. And, you know, she tells her when she was in the temple, she saw something and felt something. It was love. 
and it was a vision or a memory of her father, and she thinks her dad has something to do with her newfound power, and, and I think you, you probably agree with that. Right, and, and I think that's really interesting that, you know, that's the vibe she gets. So, you know, like, maybe this Wanderer guy isn't. Maybe this Wanderer, you know, okay, yeah, all right, so here's the assumption I'm going under, right? And we've kind of been going on the assumption that uh, that Aoife was, uh, you know, was put in prison by this really bad guy and that this guy was her father, right? So we've always just, even from the start, have assumed that, like, her father is, like, some kind of bad guy. So... Okay, so what if this guy who imprisoned Aoife is the wanderer? He's like this really bad guy, but that Bo's dad is a good guy who, I don't know, something else. So I don't know. That's, or is it all a red herring? Or is it all a red herring? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, because, yeah, so, right, so this whole big assumption I've had, that gets kind of thrown out when you think about, like, this very positive, and when, in the, when she was in the temple... You know, she like kind of closes her eyes and sways her head back and forth. So she has this very positive, loving type memory of her father, which is not indicative of a dark, scary overlord, right? No, absolutely not. And, so uh, and, I could be completely wrong as far as that goes. But, you know, clearly she feels the need to find her father. And, you know, we did, I meant to mention this at the beginning of the episode. We're going to, you know, next time Wayne and I are going to talk about like uh, top quest movies uh because it certainly ties into you know that that Bo is clearly on this quest to not only figure out who she has become but also you know her father and and what role he might play in that but then they get into kind of the 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 break breakup and I like when Kenzie tells her breakup or not a breakup that's the question right which was You're- actually the second Shakespearean reference in like like in like 5 minutes Oh. Did you catch the first? No. What was the first? Well, after she kills Lisa, she says, uh, good night, sweet girl, Oh, to her, yeah. which is kind of funny because, well, it's not funny, obviously. It's very touching, but is what that line to me resonates because that's like what my mom used to say to me, like, sweet prince, not sweet girl. Uh, when I was a kid, when she put me to bed, she'd say, good night, sweet prince, to me. So, which I thought was like really nice. And then I read like Romeo and Juliet and realized as the last things Juliet says to Romeo, then I'm like, that's kind of messed up. (laughs) Then you start start questioning your mom. Yeah. 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 So, uh, anyway, so there was the, the two, the two bang, bang Shakespeare references right on top of each other there. Okay. But the follow up then where she says, you know, you're a big girl, just rip the bandaid off. Seek closure, grasshopper. Yeah. I like that. Um, so, you know, the, the Band-Aid, uh, so are we talking about Lauren? And Well, yeah, I, I think she's just like either get go find her, get back together with her, or accept that you're broken up and move on, you know? Bo, Bo tells her, you are, you are wise, oh master. Yeah. Yes. See? And so, there's, there's, there's some Jedi stuff going on there. Yeah. That really, I mean, it's Kung Fu, obviously, but, you know, like. All right, now the big reveal at the end is this killing field or burial ground that Dyson and Tamsin discover that contains corpses of both light and dark fae. And, you know, he, he says that it makes no sense because fae don't feed on each other. And what, what he sees is, you know, different types of fae killing disparate types of fae. And that, you know, uh, he states that someone apparently is attempting to eliminate 
the fae. Yeah, someone's hunting fae, right? Yeah. And that's that's yeah. what it leads me to say that maybe this is some kind of power or force that is outside the fae, beyond the fae and everything. Yeah, which then comes back to, you know, the whole idea, is this witchcraft episode, you know, is it a red herring in, in and of itself, or is it somehow tied in? Um, but then Tamsin, you know, again, these people died in fear. I can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's really bugged out being there. Yeah. So, so, and then as the last shot, the camera zooms up to the woods surrounding the field and there's a camera lens embedded in a tree and you see that it's active and moving. Was it, was so, it an eye? I thought it was an eye. Well, I thought it was some kind of camera lens. I, I'd have to go back and look at it again yeah. still, but but I thought it was some kind of a lens. I thought, okay, it could, it was just. Like somebody was watching and monitoring what was going on in the right. field. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the same way either way, but I thought it looked like it was like an actual eye, but maybe I just caught it wrong. Get a screen cap. Well, I don't have it in front of me, but <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, pretty awesome episode, you know, and, yeah. and certainly uh, on that second viewing, I, I certainly came to that conclusion that you picked up on the first one. Yeah. Well, and, you know, well, there's one thing we didn't mention, I just want to get in before we, we move on, is that, uh, you know, like the, the very, 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 very creepy uh, carousel in the middle of that field. Oh, very creepy. That plays the Wanderer, right? Oh, I didn't pick that up. Yeah, no. it's playing the the song it plays is The Wanderer by Dion. Oh, the second time we've heard that. Yeah, uh, I think it's like the third. Oh, there was like twice in the temple, two different right. times, and then okay. and then here, which I guess actually there was they heard it twice because she saw it with Lisa the one time. It was playing the Wanderer, and then when she was with the witches, it was going like really really fast. But it was still playing the Wanderer as well, oh, right. in the creepy kind of uh, carousel music type stuff. So, well, we got two episodes left. Yeah, I know. Um, but I just, I just else? feel like they could, like they're putting so much into this episode. Like a lot happened here, you know. And you just like feel like, you know, they could probably spread this out a couple episodes, you know, because there's some. I guess just the delinquents one. I'm just really bothered by that yeah, whole episode. Yeah, and, and I think we, we obviously we, we want them to keep it at 13 episode seasons, keep right. the writing tight. And, sure. And, and they did a pretty good job of that this season. So yeah. Um, all right. Anything else? Uh, I think I am done with okay. this episode. All right. Well, I wish I'd mentioned this back at the beginning of the podcast to let the listeners know, but Wayne and I are going to get back to our pilot preview. Uh, and, and obviously the people that follow the podcast know over the last month or so, I've been excising previous pilot previews and posting them as standalone episodes, uh, just to give the listeners something to, you know, listen to, you know, when it was a, uh, maybe a, a week, two week delay between getting the next podcast up, but we've got a good one tonight. And this is actually a current pilot preview and that is bbc america's orphan black yeah which which premiered saturday night after doctor who so how'd your son like it yeah <laughs> uh, uh he better not have watched it <laughs> well you know my question would be how did you i certainly didn't expect that i, I didn't know really what to expect honestly um 
I, unfortunately, I caught a teaser type trailer um, when they mentioned something that, which I don't want to mention now because it is kind of a spoiler. Okay. Um, but so the whole time, so I, so there is something I know about it that I'm I'm really annoyed that BBC America let that slip and just like a teaser, like you know, like you're you know, you're watching them because you want to get interested in something and they say something and you're like. Oh, but you, that sounds like a pretty big plot point. Like, yeah, you but know. you know what I'm beginning to to come to the realization is that there are a lot of people out there that like that stuff. That I mean, that like spoilers. Oh, I hate it, and man. I, I hate. I agree. I agree. I'm just You're like stri- it's, I, I'm just. It's like I'm not saying it ruined it for me because it was an awesome episode. It was really, really, really good. But there's just this thing. No, no, it could be this like backhanded. Oh, that's not really what's going on, you know. We're just tricking you, but still, that you know, piss, I don't want to have like, I want my own predictions and watching it and expectations, and everything to be just coming from me and not based on anything that I heard or saw or anything like that. All right. Well, before we get too far in, all right. So, Orphan Black, BBC, BBC America. Uh, the show was created by Graham Manson and John Fawcett. And you had mentioned you thought it was six episodes. Well, uh, I know uh, IMDb and uh, Wikipedia are both reporting 10 episodes for season one. Oh, so, good. So, yeah, we'll see. So the pilot's title was Natural Selection, and it was written by Graham Manson, directed by John Fawcett. And we know John Fawcett because he directed Dead Lucky, Food for Thought, Right, I say that name sounds familiar. Right? Arachnophobia, okay. vexed, and then the season two uh, finale, where it was that two part finale, he he right. directed Into the Dark. Yep. Okay. So we've obviously got the Lost Girl tie in now. Yep. Um, the main character, played by Tatiana Maslany, was just awesome. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it's going to be one of those things where you know we talked a lot about Fringe and. Uh, uh, you know, gosh, can't the uh, the actress that plays Olivia Dunham? Um, for some reason, I can't. Gosh, how, how quickly we forget! But <laughs> she's, but, she's dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> but ha- but having to play two characters that were you know radically different, even though there, there certainly were uh, you know were similarities. And you know, but here where Tatiana Maslany is going to have to play, she's who who knows how many characters. So what we've got? Yeah, she played what three in this one, right? Yeah. So for for you know, if you haven't seen it yet, so you know, it it opens. Well, up. we should just say that if you haven't seen it yet, you should stop listening right now and go see it because we are definitely we're going to spoil the spoil, right? So yeah. don't listen any further until you've seen the episode. All right, right. All now right. we so, can proceed. Right, They've been so fairly see, warned. All right. So we see this girl. And you know, trying to come up with a description, I describe her as dressed like slutty punk. Okay, because she's a, she's clearly attractive in this dark punk slutty kind of way, and she's at a train station. She calls somebody, tells them she's back in town, and wants to see Kira. Now you feel like saying, um, "Look, Kira's busy." fighting liberate so you're gonna have to right. talk to somebody she's not else. available right now right so while she's standing on the train platform she sees a woman take off her jacket fold it really neatly takes off her high heels lays them down by her purse and then turns around and she sees that she looks exactly like her 
Yeah. And then the woman jumps in front of a moving train. Yeah, it's messed up. Okay. So what we learn right away about this character is that instead of being horrified, sickened, whatever, it's like, ah, oh, she left her purse there. Yeah. You know, so we learned that she's a well, bit but, of a... I mean, you got to be a little freaked out when well, someone turns she... around like, hey, you're me. Yeah. Um, but I guess you know, you start thinking like, would you recognize somebody? Would you recognize that they looked exactly like you? I mean, look, we all look at ourselves in mirrors and all of that, but, um, you know... Look, the first thing she does is opens a wallet and does what? Takes the money. Right. Well, she's obviously money is 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 on her mind. Yeah. Um. Because for some reason, she like, and that's this whole like the whole enigmatic Mrs. A- S. I'm sorry, I almost said Mrs. X. Mrs. S. The lady who has her daughter, um, for some reason, will not give the daughter back. To Sarah, Sarah, right? Was that right? Her name, um, and well, and then so we expect that Mrs. S to be some kind of really scary looking type character. It's like a kind of suburban type mom, and an SUV pulls up, right? At, right. At well, on the other hand, though, you know, we we meet the her foster brother, um, Felix. F- Felix, who right. turns out to be gay, uh, and which and, I didn't catch that at first at all. Um, and you know, so that that apparently Sarah abandoned her daughter and has been gone for eight months. So why would she give her back? You know, right. uh, now uh, Mrs. S. But because a, it's it's her daughter. Yeah, you know? it's like now, it's not her decision to make that right. If if well, she's true. the mother. Okay. So now, but we get the idea though that that this Mrs. S. That, that it was one of these situations, you know, we, we hear about all these horror stories about the foster system, kids, you know, bouncing from one foster family to another. But it, you almost get the idea that this Mrs. S had these kids, you know, for a significant number of years and, and essentially raised Sarah. Do you think, oh, you think she raised Sarah and Felix? Yeah. I mean, that's the okay. impression I get. I didn't, I didn't get that. But it's about, yeah, it could be. But now, uh, Mrs. S is played by Maria Doyle Kennedy. And I don't know if you saw The Tudors. Uh, I just saw like the first episode. Okay. Well, she played Catherine of Aragon. All right. Well, see, in, in again, I don't one. like spoil. Like, I just, as I watch, I'm like, oh, I know everything that happens okay. because like it's history. So, All right. well, anyway, we find out, you know, she, she steals the money from this dead girl. Uh, and then we learn that she also stole uh, a large quantity of cocaine from her boyfriend, asks her foster brother Felix to sell it. Um, and she asks him, you know, the, the, it's like whether or not she, he thought she had a twin. Right. I, I, and, the, Felix was, that guy was hilarious, man. He was like oh, a really yeah. good character. And I, I like those times when, like, when he, when he, like, he also you know, goes between the being like really funny to the being the very serious, like, well, you know, this is the reality of it. Like, like you said, like when he tells her you were gone for like almost a year. So, you know, like, you know, he's the one who brings her down to earth, which is strange because he doesn't seem like the type of person that would bring someone down to earth. But you know, that whole, like you sit there all talking to the cell phone the whole time at the, at the funeral, which granted, like she's not dead really, but, the people there don't know that. Yeah. Right. Now, and Vic's just like, hey, Felix, we 
keep you from something like, yeah. yeah. Now, one of the questions, it's like, where are we? Yeah. You know? Because like the first like 10 minutes, like Felix is the only person and Sarah and Felix are the only two people who talk. Right. So right. we just like assume we're in England. Right. Right. And right. then all of a sudden, like, as we start meeting more characters, I'm like, wait a second. That's definitely not an English accent. That sounds awfully American. Now. Right. And, <laughs> and then when she goes to the bank, it's in the the, the amount. And she tells Felix, hey, I do, you know, this girl just deposited $75,000. Right. Right. And, and, um, and the, the steering wheel is on the, uh, the, on the left, left side. side, too. So. But finally, you could read one of the license plates. Oh, I couldn't. Did you? On, Ontario. Oh, uh, okay. Well, see, so, I knew it was produced in Canada. Right. Because well, they, they because talk, it's good, everything's right. produced. <laughs> it's good, and it's uh, the the hex podcast they talk about uh, as well. But see, okay. just because like being human, UK is also filmed in Canada, but it's set in Boston. Mm-hmm. Well, not UK, US, the US being human is okay. is produced is they filmed in Canada, but set in Boston. All right now, you mentioned uh, the cell phones, and one of the first you know little twists is you know that that when she goes through the girl, the dead girl's purse, she finds out that she's got two cell phones, and we you know we find out later on why that is, but uh, early you know I, I thought one of the great scenes is when she goes to the girl's flat, and it's kind of walking around almost as if she's trying to get the you know the lay of the land and right. trying to you know kind of figure out how she's going to pull this off, watches even watches video so she can talk like, uh, right. and, and we find out her name is Beth Childs, colors her hair, dresses up, goes to the bank. Uh, but then, again, another twist when she, when she goes to the safe deposit box and finds, I believe it's three birth certificates. Uh, I think there was three, yeah. And they're all born in 1984. They're all like uh, within a day or two of each other, right? Right. And the one I believe is in Germany or somewhere in Europe. Um, Well, we find out, and again, another great scene when she's walking down the street and the police surround her. And of course, she thinks she's under arrest and she probably figures that, you know, the scam has been found out. And we find out that she's actually, and when we say she, Beth Childs, who she is now impersonating, is actually a detective who apparently shot and killed a civilian in a police action and has to, you know, is under, I guess not investigation, but has to give a statement and all of that. And of course, she's got to now pull that off. And she Yeah, how it. resourceful it was. <laughs> I would have yeah. never thought of doing what she did. And like, I, I watched this twice, like the second time I watched that, it, I was like, I was like, oh, because like the first time I was just too shocked. The second time I know it's coming, I'm like, oh, she's she's drinking the soap. Oh, she's, yep. pout- she's just drinking it all down. Yep. Oh my God. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. And, and then even she tr- she's trying to con the uh, police psychologist. So that was pretty cool, too. Uh, but obviously the theme of family comes up. And, and, you know, the whole idea of that every foster kid dreams of having a family. Now, we find out she's got a daughter that, that we've mentioned. Uh, she's got a dirtbag boyfriend in Vic and her foster brother, Felix. Okay. So, you know, this is her little family Okay, we don't know whether Vic is the father of her daughter. We assume not, but who knows? Yeah, no, because he doesn't mention the right. daughter at all. You're right, and and, right. and plus, probably, I imagine if yeah, I mean, he hasn't been away. Right. So now, uh, while she's walking around the apartment, you know, she had taken a shower and she's 
you know, standing there in underwear and a uh, what rock band T-shirt was it? Oh, uh, she had a Clash T-shirt London, on. Then. Clash, right? London Calling. London Calling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the boyfriend comes home unexpectedly, and we well, by boyfriend we mean Beth Child's boyfriend. Right. Okay. And to divert his questions, she does what any resourceful con artist would do. Yeah. She jumps his bones and has sex with him. Yeah. Right now, there, right there now, in, he, the, in the kitchen. Right. He now he noticed the you know about her hair. Yeah, he's like your hair. She's <laughs> like I got cut. He's like it's longer. <laughs> right. And then and then you know she's naked, and you see his like his eyes going, and it's like he, it's almost like he he notices something that's not quite right. Right. And we're not going to mention it on the podcast. The listeners can figure that out. What maybe is different, but yeah, but he, he does. He, no, he's yeah, but he yeah, but he's like uh well, whatever. Yeah, right. Let's, let's I don't do, care. It, do it anyway. I'm not going to break the vibe. Right. But then she, he, he says, you guys are, you are back, pigs. Are you back on the meds? So. Yeah. Well, she saw you know, when, when she opened up. Her, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Thing, there, right. there was like a, a, a ton of uh, medications in there. And so. Yeah. All right. So she gets the 75000 from the bank. Um, and we find out that her partner, her police partner, has been following her, breaks into her car, goes through her bag. Yeah, I know I should like that guy, but for some reason I just don't. Oh, I hate him. I hate him already. Yeah, but he's like, what is, what is he doing wrong? He's not doing anything wrong. He's, no, he's absolutely he's not. He's a cop. He seems like he's a good cop. He's trying to get his help his partner out and get her, you know, I guess out of the hot water or whatever, but... Man, I just, there's just something I don't know. I don't know what it is. Just like he's like the the following her around, the snooping, and all that stuff. I don't know. Well, don't like you me. already mentioned the you know that that her dirtbag boyfriend Vic has a wake for her, and and you know even that scene you know when at first Felix has to go to the the coroner to identify the body, and he's like, I can't do it, I can't, and then he's like strangely attracted yeah. to the dead like, body. Oh. Yeah. You know, well, when they go back the second time, this, like this is where, like at first, Vic, we think he's going to be this, like kind of like, like uh, you know, this a hole, this nasty guy, this mean, you know, uh, antagonist the whole time, and now he's like kind of comic relief. Yeah, yeah. Because like, you and, know, I love the scene where he comes in, he's like bang, bang, banging on, on Felix's door, and then he walks in, he's like. <gasps> Can I come in? And they just flaps on the couch, and he has to have a heart to heart with Felix, and yeah. and so you know, and Felix, you know, then has to be like, you know, like Felix is, he's he's not a like really like super warm, you know, person to anyone. It seems like except for Sarah, obviously. So he doesn't have any patience or tolerance for for Vic's, uh, you know, issues. Right now, kind of at this point, we're still figuring out. Okay, how is this? a sci-fi show. Okay. And, and we're still not there yet, but uh, we also find out that look for uh, however good a con artist Sarah is, she clearly hasn't thought this whole fake your death thing through because Mrs. S and her daughter show up at the funeral. So now her daughter's going to believe she's dead. Yeah. That was, that was, that was bad. Well, you know, just the whole printing up the, the flyers for it and everything. It's sure. just like, how, how did Felix let this happen? Yep. But so, I think he just, he doesn't, not that he doesn't care, but just, he, he just, he can't be bothered with details like that, you know? Right. right. Well, he's an artist. Right. Right. All right. Uh, which again, the, doing that one painting where it's, it's basically the, the focal point of the painting is, right. is uh, a, a picture of Sarah with her eyes X'd out. Um, 
I mean, clearly he's gay, so you know the the whole idea. Well, yeah, because he he hooks secretly up. in love with his sister, uh, his foster sister is, you know, probably not an issue. Um, but the final scene, we see Sarah gets in her car, and a girl that looks just like her but has short red hair and a European accent. Yeah, Kat- say European because it's hard to place that one. <laughs> yep, yep. Katya, Katya. Uh, jumps right, in the back maybe seat. Maybe Russian. Yeah. I don't right. know. Why didn't you return her my calls? Because well, she figures out she's not Beth, right? Right. So. I went to see I went to see her scientist friend, and you know she kind of freaks out, you know, and, and and we find out now, pink phone must have belonged to that was how Katya contacted her. Right. And her black the black phone was her pretty much day to day phone. Um, now I listened to this about six times, at least. Katya says something uh, that I can't make out, and then says. You're not Beth, just as she shot in the head. Yeah, yeah, I caught the. Here's not. I, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure what she says before either. I didn't yeah. play it back really. I, I mean, I watched well, it twice, but I didn't play. Well, it back. I, I played it literally six times, and I still couldn't hear it with headphones. All and, right, well, I'm not going to bother um, then. But uh, so, some pretty fancy escape driving on Sarah's part. Um, yeah. And then, so the so the obviously the fundamental question is, at this point. We assume there are probably more than, you know, the, we, we've met three. Right. Uh, we've got three birth certificates, none of which were Sarah's. Um, so we assume there are even more. So then, you know, obviously most people that know anything about Orphan Black know that at the heart of the show is the the idea that these people are clones. Yeah. See, that's that's the thing that, that I didn't want to know. Okay. So who's trying to kill them and why? And as she's driving, the pink phone starts ringing. Right. Yeah. And that, like, that was a very abrupt ending. Yeah. Like, that, I was like, wait, really? That's the end of the episode? Like, what yeah. What the? Because um, uh, obviously we there's there's no resolution occurring anywhere at all in this episode. But uh, but that was great because, you know, like I said, I mean, that's that's kind of the mark of a good episode that you're really compelled right there up to the end. And then it's you know, the final credits. You're like, Whoa. Yeah, you know, that's the like problem with Lost Girls sometimes is they it kind of drag because they have these like you know epilogues that uh, that they tack on to the end of almost every episode. Um, but uh, this one, man, it just ended. You're just like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now the uh, yeah you mentioned and the interesting thing here you mentioned in in an email you sent me that. You know, you thought you were watching BBC America, not Cinemax. So, yeah. uh, you know, the the when she jumps her, you know, Beth's boyfriend when he comes home. I mean, it's it's pretty graphic. And, yeah, and, that's and, just, I, nothing, especially on BBC America. I never. Yeah, I was I was you know pleasantly shocked, but um, <laughs> and there was I'm some all, kind of sem. Well, you know, now I think about it, like Copper had some like a little bit of nudity in there okay. as well and everything, but uh, okay. nothing like that, man. Just like, wow. Yeah. yeah. Just- and, and, and I mean, to be, to be fair, um, is probably even more graphic than anything we've seen on Lost Girl. And well, no, no mm, doubt. It's definitely more but, graphic than anything we've seen on Lost uh, Girl. I uh, think it is. Uh, um, I, don't, I don't think so. Okay. Well, all right. What? Regardless, <laughs> it's close. The, though. the it's decision close. to air it at nine, directly after Doctor Who. Yeah. Which is, you know, really, I mean, it, it is kid. I mean, kid friendly. 
You know, I mean, Doctor Who, not Doctor Who is. Uh, and then they put that. Have you ever watched that show, The Nerdist? Yeah, Chris Hardwick. Man. He's oh awesome. My God. Okay, I was going to say like he's, him? I was going to say he's awful, but Oh, uh, I love Chris Hardwick. He does the Talking Dead, which is on right after Walking uh, Dead. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, you you fl- got to flip those two shows and air Orphan Black at 10. Right. Right. Well, which you would why why wouldn't they have the Nerdist like right after Doctor Who, right? Yeah. I think maybe they might eventually, eventually. maybe they just did the, the one time just to get the 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 people from Doctor Who watching Orphan Black so I don't, yeah. yeah not for kids definitely if if you are listening to this right now you haven't well you've been listening to this yet you haven't watched it yet then you know everything that happens so right. but don't let your kids watch it yeah. for sure but i i think both of us agree that it's definitely something we're going to be following oh right? yeah yeah no yeah. question yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean it was really really well done uh the acting was great and Certainly, you know, for a pilot episode, and look, we keep doing these pilot previews, and we say each time, it's difficult to judge a pilot because they're trying to, you know, lay groundwork for an entire series. Right, and plus, like, you're not invested in the characters that much just yet and everything, but uh, but yeah, this is a good one, man. It was really, uh, you know, had a, <clears throat> had a lot of stuff that that's definitely going to, uh, you know, uh, bring me back for the next episode. All right. Um, well, that's all I've got on Orphan Black. Yeah, me too. It was good. Okay. Like so, it. Uh, well worth it. All right. Well, any last thoughts for the listeners? Nope. Before we. Yeah, I mean, we're almost go, at two hours now. Go so quietly into this good night. Let them go. <laughs> all right. So uh, drop us a line at Fatalist podcast at gmail.com you can check out the website fatalist.podbean.com and you can leave us a voicemail big green tab on the right side of the page and you got to keep your message at 90 seconds or less but you know you can send as many as you want we're on facebook which wayne has been uh doing a better job of keeping up and has uh, put some great links for some music videos that definitely uh, have relevance to lost girl and as most of the listeners are already doing, access us through iTunes. So, two episodes to go. Yep. Fun times. Yeah. Exciting. What are we going to do with ourselves? All right. And then next week, we're going to do the, you know, whether it's a top 10, top whatever list, but we're going to look at quest movies. Questing movies. Questing movies. Yeah. So, all right. Until next time. Hey, you just said the B word, the A word. And ginger.